Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. I doubt that any of my listeners are unaware of all the details of what happened on July 17, 2014, when Eric Garner, a 43-year-old black man on Staten Island, died as the result of an intensely physical arrest involving a number of NYPD officers, during which one of those officers, Daniel Pantaleo, held Mr. Garner face down in a chokehold. Mr. Garner, who was struggling to speak as the police officer climbed onto his back to hold him down, gasped, I can't breathe, 11 times before he passed away. Despite a video that clearly showed Pantaleo checking Garner, uh, choking him, uh, a grand jury decided not to indict the police officer. Rowe Messenger has imagined what might have happened if the grand jury had decided differently in his film called American Trial, the Eric Garner story. He joins us now, along with producer Ralph Richardson and Eric Garner's widow, Esau Snipes. Welcome all to our show. Good afternoon. Thank you How for are having you? me. Hi, Leonard. Thanks for having uh, us. Let's be- Let's begin with Ralph. Uh, the, the film was shown last October at the New York Film Festival, but how can people access it today at a time when all the movie theaters in our area are closed? Well, we're working with a partner, Gather, G-A-T-H-R, and they, we do, we're doing virtual theaters now. So they, they can access it through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll go into more detail later about that, okay? Uh, Roy, what what drew you to Eric Garner's story and the decision to make a film that imagined this trial? Uh, Did you see it as a way to also look into the complications of racial relations in the United States? Um, To me, it started from a very personal shock. Um, I was living in Harlem at the time. I was in film school. um, And the decision not to indict... um, the police officer came uh, around December of my second year of uh, the film school. And, uh, you know, the everything about that decision was just kind of echoing all around me. You know, no, it doesn't matter where, if I was at the grocery store, if I was walking my dog, or um, if it was just, you know, talking to neighbors in the elevator in my building. Uh, and uh, it just occurred to me you know, that same week that everybody seems to think there should have been a trial. Uh, and maybe I could, uh, maybe I could just make one and, 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 and see how, how that would play out on, on camera. It takes uh, place in New York, not in the South. And I guess we shouldn't be all that surprised in light of the recent stories that tickets issued to enforce social distancing rules have, have targeted a disproportionate number of people of color. I mean, you know, I, I, certainly it, when it comes to police brutality in the South, the, it's, it's, the brutality is worse and the accountability is worse. Is worse. Uh, but, you know, in the research that I've done uh, preparing for this movie, I learned that in the, in the year that, uh, that Eric died, uh, there were about a thousand people who were killed by the police that mm. year. Um, a quarter of those people, right, to over 250 people, were people of color when they are barely 12% of the population. So they're targeted, so they, they're killed, you know, twice as much. And another interesting statistic that I picked up uh, during that research that was done in preparation for this film uh, is that in all of those killings, uh, only four police officers that year were held, you know, uh, were held tried were held trial mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, killing a civilian. Uh, only one of those four was actually indicted. Sorry, was actually convicted. Um, and none of them actually spent a day in prison. Uh, and so the fact that it's New York or the South, when it comes to that, doesn't really, really matter because you're dealing with a, you know such a deep systemic problem. Uh, After the uh, All-American. After the grand jury decided not to indict uh, Daniel Pantaleo in 2014, he remained in his job at the NYPD until last year when he was finally fired. Ralph, why was he fired? You know, it's 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 amazing. Um, 
and I think I'm just going to piggyback on what Roe is saying. It's like it's so systemic that it was just almost like we were in disbelief that he was fired. Um, and it's just, again, a lack of accountability. It's, it's very systemic. And this is the issues that this film is raising. And hopefully we shed a light on also in through uh, interviewing with you. Well, have the grand jury transcripts been released? Never. Yeah, oh, and I don't think we'll ever see him. Esau, uh, real life lawyers yeah. play the defenders, the prosecutors, the judge. The only actor is Anthony uh, Altieri, who plays Pantaleo. But how many, are you, are you one of the only people in the film who actually is playing herself? I believe so. No, uh, everyone is playing. Uh, all the witnesses are playing themselves. I just want to correct that. Yeah, the, oh, uh, Esau oh, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I Esau, about that. I'm Esau sorry. is there uh, as Eric's wife, uh, but there's a there's an eyewitness called James Knight who appears in the film, and he was an actual eyewitness to the incident. Uh, Doctor Michael Bodden, uh, he's a who's a very uh, world renowned uh, forensic pathologist who was hired by the Garner family to do the uh, to do a second autopsy for the civil uh, lawsuit that was filed against the city. Um, he's there as a as a forensic expert. There's also a forensic expert for the defense called uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Hua, um, who is mm -hmm. a medical examiner in the state of New Jersey. So um, every so you're correct. Anthony Altieri is the only actor and everyone else is really playing themselves, even the attorneys, even though they're not really uh, um, you know, real, real prosecutors at the moment. And although they, they are, uh, uh, they used to work as uh, military prosecutors in their professional past. Uh, you're, you're, you're also, the, you're, go ahead. Excuse I'm me? sorry. Continue. Oh, no, I said, that, yeah, I said, so the, the prosecutors are former prosecutors. The defense attorneys are real defense attorneys. And so no one is acting. Everyone is just, uh, doing what they do or, or, or telling their story as, as, as they are. You say uh, lawyers, for example, kind of are actors at times because they're playing for the jury. Uh, they're hyping up the drama to tell the story uh, uh, and, and they prepare to do that. But so this wasn't as chancy as it might have appeared uh, when you decided to make the film unscripted? Yeah, it was uh, originally, originally back when I first had the idea, I thought maybe I would have actors play the attorneys because I thought maybe I needed someone to, 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 to dramatize it. But like you said, I realized very quickly that good, good attorneys are very good actors because they play for the jury. They know how to tell a story. Uh, and so very quickly we realized that there was no need for a script and that's how it became. You say lawyers... Uh actually script their trials. They, they know what questions they're going to ask. They know what answer they're going to get from uh, the witness usually, uh, although it doesn't always work out that way. And that's part of the, uh, the uh, excitement of watching a trial. Uh, yes, that's very true. And I think that in our film, the, the most dramatic and the most interesting moments happen when, there is a, when there, something happens that's not quite the way the lawyer planned it. Uh, so there are a few surprised answers, a few uh, uh, responses that aren't exactly the way that the lawyer intended uh, on both sides. Uh, and that's kind of where, where the, as, a, as an audience, that's where it's most drawing, I think. It, it, was there some kind of a sense of, uh, Esau, some kind of sense of, of completion to actually watch this trial take place? Not really completion. Because it'll closure. never be complete. There'll never be any closure or completeness or, you know, I'm just in the process of healing six years later. Um, I still, you know, I'll never get over it, of course. Um, to everybody, it was a movie, but to me, it was my life. It happened to mm. me. It, it's something that I experienced on a very, very personal level. It was very devastating to me. Um, but doing the movie helped me get along in my healing process. Being able to sit and not um, be angry 
and get so emotional, even though my emotions do get the best of me sometimes, because, you know, I just think about, you know, what would have been not only the trial, but if it never happened, period, and my husband was still here to enjoy life with me and my grandchildren and my children. So there was no completion. Not only are real-life lawyers playing the opposing legal team, the defenders of prosecutions, but also the judge, but you, you had them uh, litigate, uh, Roe, as though they were fighting a real case in a real court. So how much instruction did you give to the attorneys? Uh, the whole, you know, everything about preparing for the, for the filming was really fascinating because... Uh, I was kind of working at a paralegal capacity for both for both sides, uh, you know, getting them documents that they needed, you know, doing the legwork and finding the witnesses that, that they wanted to get. Um, and then once we had all of that ready, we kind of because, there, you know, there's obviously a time limit, right? They can't sit with a wit, you know, they couldn't sit with Esau on, have Esau on the stand for, for an hour because the whole movie is an hour, mm -hmm. 40 minutes. So we had to uh, find a way to concisely ask the most important points. Um, and there was a, you know, kind of negotiating between me and the attorney saying, oh, no, but this question is really important. So, OK, you ask it, but then you have to cut out another question. Um, and always keeping in mind that the whole process needs to be objective and, and, and that, I, you know, we'd be undermining the film if, if it was perceived that we were taking, that I was taking a side, even though obviously, you know, think that there should have been a trial. So that kind of tells you where I'm standing anyway, you know. And we um, also have pointed out that uh, these non-actors, because uh, of the, what they do in real life, are more knowledgeable than you were when it comes yes. to the performance that you were expecting them to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was uh, then, you know, I was tr I was trying to advocate. It's a funny word to say advocate when you're talking about lawyers, but I was trying to advocate for the story. They were trying to advocate for the for the arguments. Uh, and we found a way to to make it work. Um, and I think it worked, worked out really well. I'm, we're speaking about a new film called American Trial, the Eric Garner story with its director, Rowie Messenger, one of its producers, Ralph Richardson, and Eric Garner's widow, Esau Snipes. Uh, Ralph, um, uh, Anthony Altieri, who plays Pantaleo, speaks only from Pantaleo's public statements and from information gathered from his attorney. Uh, you note that the experts and the witnesses called to testify in the mock trial are all people who would have been summoned if there had been a real trial. Uh, and you also have real news clippings and opinions from activists and, and, and legal experts are, are included in the narrative. Yes, that's correct. So th this, this is probably what the trial would have actually looked like. Well, that's, that, that was the whole idea um, is to like create this thing without any biasness or institutional leaning towards one side or the other as, as much as we could do, as much as humanly possible. So I think Roe, Esau, the other producer, Elena, I think we and myself, we all were very conscious of that effect because we, we want to literally see what the process is like and also show what the process is like, you know what I mean? And, and, that, and, and we were robbed of that. Esau was robbed of that. Her family was robbed of that. So this is, this is, this is, I understand what she says. This is kind of therapeutic because it, it, it's a process that should have happened and we get to see it play out and, and hopefully it, it's impactful for, for the audience. I was surprised to see Alan Dershowitz in the film. He comes across quite differently than the man we saw a lot of on, on TV during the Trump impeachment proceedings. Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, you know, these, the, the, the Esau and I met uh, in the summer of uh, 2015, uh, the one year anniversary rally of, uh, of Eric's death. And so this film has been you know, a long time in the making. The, uh, uh, specifically the interview I had with, uh, Alan Dershowitz took place, 
I forget if it was 2016 or 2017, uh, but well, be- before he became a Fox News uh, <laughs> talking head. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, in the end of the day, you like you know if you like Alan Dershowitz, if you don't like Alan Dershowitz, you know he knows the law. Uh, he's a well-spoken, uh, uh, intelligent, and um, an edu- well, you know, an educated person. Uh, and I think his insight is uh, in, into this case was uh, was revealing. Um, and I, I, you know, one of the things that Ralph said before about being objective and not being, you know, not being biased. You know, what I would like for people to take away from this case, or I, not not enough what I would like, but I think the most important thing that the audience can walk away from this movie with is the question of how is it possible that this trial never happened, right? I think that's, that's mm-hmm. the question I, I would like people to ask themselves. Uh, and so if we were to present a propaganda piece, uh, I don't think people would have, would ask that question. They would say, okay, you know, these guys have, you know, have their opinion and obviously they feel very strongly about it and they had no intention of showing us anything that's, that resembles a fair, you know, a due process, a fair trial. And they would um, they would dismiss it, and we would be undermining ourselves. And so, by letting people like Alan Dershowitz speak, uh, not that specifically Alan Dershowitz actually, you know, it seems like he thought that the, the arrest was uh, a travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he, 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 the arrest of Garner was a travesty. Yes, yes that the arrest of Garner was a travesty. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says he says something along the lines of you know there should have been a, he should have been given a ticket not be arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but yes, yeah, certainly there's another expert there called, uh, Barry Latzer, who's, uh, you know, 180 degrees for me, uh, politically. Um, and I disagree with everything he says in the film, but still it's important to, 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 you know, to let, give him a chance to speak his mind, uh, let people make their own minds about who they, uh, who they're convinced by. Uh, so that in the end, I can show you, look, you know, this this is what a trial would have looked like, and now it's up to you. You've what do you cast, think? You've cast a South Asian American as the lawyer who works extremely hard to defend Pantaleo, and uh, an Asian forensic pathologist who refuses to admit that it was Pantaleo's actions and not Garner's weight and, and medical conditions that actually ended his life. And a reviewer wondered whether that was a conscious casting decision to make a point about racial divides in our society. Uh, yeah, I read that, um, that review. Um, I pr- appreciated, de- uh, appreciated that review deeply. Uh, it's actually... Uh, very positive review. Yes, yes, a very positive review. Uh, I would say that that, that was a total coincidence. Um, forensic pathologists are, very, uh, are a very rare commodity. Uh, and, uh, after we secured Dr. Bot, it was obvious that Dr. Bot had to be the forensic pathologist for the prosecution, uh, because he was really the defense, you know, really the forensic pathologist for the Garner family in the real civil case. Mm-hmm. He really did a second autopsy, um, for them. So, so he knew all the clear. details. He knew all the details and, and, and also he was, he was hired by the family. So, and, and he had, he was of the opinion uh, that supported the, the, the arguments of the, of the prosecution. And so we had to find another forensic pathologist who would, who would, ref- who had the, you know, the, the reputation and the ability to refute him. Uh, and so Dr. Wa was just, you know, the best candidate and the fact that he was Asian, uh, had, had, you know, didn't play any role in my decision to cast him. Um, he just has, you know, he, he, he's just such a such an experienced, uh, well-spoken expert, uh, and like I said, it was important for us to make sure that we uh, that we give the defense that we give Pantaleo a, a proper defense, so that we're not undermining ourselves. Um, and as for the choice of Priya, who's you know a, an incredible attorney, and, and if I ever get in trouble. Uh, you know, she's definitely one of the first call you know, get in trouble doing something I shouldn't be doing uh, or get in trouble with law enforcement. She's probably the first uh, person I would call. Um, again, the fact that she, she was that she's a, 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 
that she's a South that she's originally from South Asia uh, also played no role. I, I will say that it was important for me to make sure that there was uh, racial diversity uh, and that there was uh, gender diversity in the uh, um, in the cast, uh, both with the witnesses and the, and the cast of attorneys. Uh, and so when I had my four attorneys, I, I was desperately looking for a woman to play the judge because uh, I didn't want to have four. Uh, I didn't want to have uh, you know four four men and one, only one woman. Um, and uh, you know I interviewed a lot of people to play the the, the attorneys. Um, and in the end, you know the the, the attorneys that were, that were cast are just you know it was the the right mix from what we were able to. To find, and I also think that the, you know each and every one of them is is, is a, a fantastic attorney, uh, you know, with a, their own personality, and that they thought they made a really good team together. Hello. Hello. Did we get cut off? I believe I, I, so. Yeah, I can hear you guys, but I can't hear Leonard. Me. Uh, sh should we hang up and have them call us back? I guess. Oh no, I'm tired. I don't. He's not talking <laughs> to me. He's talking to you guys. He don't want to hear nothing I gotta say. So. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's oh, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear no, me? You. Yes. Yeah, we can now, hear you. Suddenly, my computer cut me off. I'm sorry. So okay, I, and I right. thought I was talking to you and I wasn't. Okay. I, I was just okay. saying, I was just saying that if uh, that uh, most of my questions have been addressed to Rowie because he made the film, but Ralph and Esau, if you want to jump in at any point, f please feel free to do that. Okay, we'll figure out who's talking. Um, the defense yeah. lawyers keep suggesting that Garner's obesity and asthma were instrumental in causing his death, and it feels as though the whole trial hinges on determining whether the nature of Pantaleo's hand positions and what actually qualifies to be a, ch a fatal chokehold uh, is uh, can be defined. Uh, and, and the film addresses how, even within the criminal justice system, fairly universal terms like homicide get defined differently medically and legally, while the Carter's report clearly states homicide as the cause of Garner's death. Uh, the, the defense lawyers, in their efforts to absolve Pantaleo, repeatedly remind the members of the jury that the court doesn't accept the medical definition of homicide. So these are things that actually probably would have been argued in court. They're arguing over the definition of, of, of a chokehold, the things that what, what, what recruits are taught about uh, what's acceptable when, when they're uh, at the police academy. Forgive me for such a long uh, yeah. speech, but I haven't been talking for a while. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, absolutely. Because because you know the the intention really was to make uh to make uh to make it as as realistic as possible. Uh, one thing that I think uh, your your um, audience would probably like to hear is maybe a little insight into how the actual filming was. And I think one of the things that I was most struck by was the was in Esau's uh, testimony, uh, not just how emotional it, it was, but how. Uh, yeah, how how real it was for 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 Esau and how you know she was ready to to, to pounce on 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 Priya on the the the, the, the defense attorney. How was uh, I was ready to literally and punch her in the face. <laughs> Priya is a very nice she, young lady. <laughs> she literally came and apologized to me afterwards, and she's like, "Esau, you do know that this was fake, right?" And I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, like, but it was it. it was fake to you guys, but it was real to me. That's right. Because they actually tried to use that, you know, his obesity and and the fact that he had high blood pressure or whatever. And when the the doctor said that he would have died within a year anyway, oh my God, my mm. blood was just boiling like. I yeah, wanted to pretty... just scream, like, how dare you? Like, who are, are you, Dr. Phil or somebody? Like, who can you, <laughs> how can you sit there and say that that he's going to, he would have died anyway in a year? That was so disrespectful. Um, 
unsympathetic. But is it? But isn't it also irrelevant if I shoot somebody who's dying of cancer? I've still killed that person. One hundred percent. Is that like true? Saying, oh, he would have died anyway in a year from cancer. So you yeah. killed, you shot him now. So mm -hmm. you know, no, no chemotherapy, no charging <laughs> Medicaid, no, no money for the medical field. Yeah, and to me, like that, this this is part of the. The problem that we have is that, that this institutional racism that takes hold, whoever goes through and this it's, process, because... And it's it, blaming the victim for being right. a victim. Right. And it's like, it, it's like, it's like, okay, we're going to just throw away this black male because he has diabetes or high blood pressure. And since he was going to die in a year anyway, um, let's just get it over with quickly. I, I, I think that's highly disrespectful. And highly institutionally racist. Well, in, I in, in, think the NYP, I think the NYPD was purely disrespectful from the beginning. They never came and said to me before all the media and everything that they apologized, that they were wrong, that. Uh, they're sorry for my loss or giving me their condolences. None of that happens until after everything went viral. After, after all the protesters came out and, you know, I was screaming on television and crying and carrying on. Then they went, oh, do you accept his apology? Hell no. That's right. You know, I could never accept an apology because he's not sorry. You know, he he probably could have given me an apology if Eric would have lived through the situation and maybe been in the hospital, maybe uh, incapacitated for a little while, you know, and then you could say, well, I'm sorry that, you know, I uh, excessively used force against your husband in order to arrest him. But you murdered him, and and he's screaming, I can't breathe. And you're saying, oh, if you can talk, you can breathe. Come on, are you kidding me? Had, so uh, it was, had, had Eric had run-ins with the police before? Yes. But nothing like this. Did, why do you think this one got out of control? No, never physical. Never yeah. physical. Any arrest, you know, he's been arrested quite a few times, but never resisted arrest, never ran from the police, never fought the police. Uh, you know, he went to all his court dates, you know. Um, you know, he was, he was not a defiant, violent person. He was not violent, you know. He was the type of person... Like you say, you back a rat into a corner, it's going to jump at you. That's the type of person he was. You had to do so much to him for him to get to a point where he would just be explode. You know, and I used to tell him all the time it wasn't healthy. You know, that you need to address problems at the time of the problem. Don't wait until it festers because then you become more angry and you won't be able to control the outcome of your anger. So what they did with him, to him was just horrifying, devastating. And we, and we witness it. it. It isn't like uh, we don't see what, what happened. It, it's, it was kind of... Exactly. It, it's, it's just awful to watch. Well, anyway, but a jury like never did get to hear them, it. Them that are so blind they can't see. You know, I have to take a little. I have to take a little break here. Uh, we'll be back with more about this. Okay, uh, this is okay. Leonard Lopate at large on WBAI New York ninety nine point five FM.
that he just can't deny. But if only he can get a try, then he may touch the sky. Most times it'll get hard, but want to lose the only love that they have. I know and you know, a life can change as the wind blows. Before we get back to my conversation with Early Messenger, Esau, Snipes, Garner, and Ralph Richardson about the film American Trial, the Eric Garner story, I'd like to talk to you about something uh, very important about the current financial situation here at WBAI. You can hear some of it right in this broadcast because suddenly, because we're working on very makeshift system right now, um, and uh, I can't predict if my computer is suddenly going to pop out. Uh, but uh, like most public radio stations across the country, WBAI has been hit quite hard by the pandemic. And uh, people have been, uh, a lot of our longtime contributors have been forced to pull their support for the station because they suddenly find themselves strapped financially, which is why we are asking anyone who is able to, in this time of crisis, to please step up and make a contribution of any amount to help community radio and let it located at large on, uh, stay on the air and coming to you weekdays, in this case, from 1 to 2 p.m. You can do that by making a call right now to 516-620-3602 or by going to our website, give to wbai.org. That's give and then the number to wbai.org. And one way to support the station without having to shell out a, a lot of money all at one time is to become a BAI buddy. Uh, you can do that by by spreading your, your amount out as a sustaining member. Uh, there are listeners who contribute $10 or more each month to keep the station running and to show support for what we do on this show. Again, that number is 516-620-3602 or go to our website, give to WBAI.org. And uh, as a special offer for today, if you become a BAI buddy right now in the name of Letter Topit at Large, we're going to send you right away, in fact, a link to the film that we've been talking about today, American Trial, the Eric Garner story. Now, I, now I think a, a show like today's tells you all you need to know about why we are a little different from almost anything else that you're going to find on your radio dial. Eric Garner's tragic death may not be making headlines anymore, but we know that it continues to deserve an hour's discussion and much more. And uh, that's one of the things that makes WBAI a special kind of station because we don't have to worry about making sponsors happy or foundations happy. We just have to think about what is important to our audience. And we are proud to be able to address the kinds of topics that are largely ignored by the corporate news outlets that are always so quick to move on to the next shiny object or salacious news story. So, um, I mean, Eric Garner's story is still with us, and I Can't Breathe has uh, become a part of the uh, Black Lives Matter ma uh, movement. Um, Pantaleo may never have had his day in court, but that's why it's so important that we revisit this story. Um, and it's a story that's a vital Finally important, not just to the people whose lives Mr. Garner's death has irreparably harmed, but to all of the people of New York City and beyond who care about the struggle for fair and accountable policing. Uh, the, the, the gatekeepers at uh, the powerful media institutions have decided to move on, but we have not. So if you want to keep this kind of important information coming to you each week, the only way to do that is by calling 516-620-3602 now, or by going to our website, give2wbai.org. That's give and then the number two, wbai.org. And as I said, if you become a BAI buddy today by making a monthly contribution of $10 or $15 or 20, whatever you can afford, we will send you a link that will allow you to download the film we've been discussing, American Trial, Eric Garner, the Eric Garner Story for free. But please be sure to uh, make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at Lodge. And from all of us at the station, thank you so much. 
And now we're ret I'm returning to my guests, Rowie Messenger, Ralph Richardson, and uh, Issa Snipes. Uh, we're talking about that film. Uh, uh, Rowie, you were born in Israel and raised in Mexico. Do you think similar things would have happened in either of those countries? Is this a typically uh, American story, or is this is this a, a, a universal story? I think that you know, uh, police brutality, specifically, and racism in general, is are both things that you know are are both human problems, right? They're not just American problems. Uh, but America has a different take on it, uh, and it's much more deeply rooted in. Uh, certainly in the American justice system, but in all of American society. Uh, and so to answer your question, you know, no. Uh, in Israel and Mexico, uh, police uh, don't kill as many, uh, you know, as many human beings, civilians of minority um, communities. Uh, and when they do, they are held accountable uh, to a much larger degree than they are here in the United States. Were uh, any of you surprised by the, the kinds of things that came out, like the splitting of hairs over what is a homicide and what is a, 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 an acceptable chokehold? Um, for me, as a black male, none of that is surprising because that's what, that's what it's all about. You know, and it's also about the confusion of the definitions. So like, let's say homicide. Like, if they wanted a transparent system, everything would link together as one. Like, the coroner or the forensics guy wouldn't say homicide, and then it means something else for somebody else. And it's, it's, just, it's, it's just a travesty that all these things have to happen just for this fragile system to just be alive. Like before I became a filmmaker, I was an economist. And so like, I have this theory about number one, that racism to me should be a mental disease and should be checked on. But if you, if you take race out of it, this is the process that happens. You have one bad cop, right? Let's say one bad cop. He creates, he, he makes a crime. The first thing that happens is the system supports that cop. And, and tries to like make it go away. So what happens is the family has to take that to civil court if they want any justice at all. So it becomes monetary. So that way it takes the risk off of the justice system and puts it on a taxpayer. Now the taxpayer has to pay for this one cop, three million, five million or whatever it is. And so the system understands that and that it puts it right back on the taxpayers. Now, I think that that process needs to be transparent. And once it becomes transparent, I think you will see a lot of these cases not go this way again because people will be more invested. That's just my little theory. Now, you said it was one bad cop, but it, the video reveals that uh, a whole bunch of, of cops joined in. They all are part I'm, of that process. I'm isolating it. Let's just say one bad cop. Okay, but obviously there is a connection here. And so you take it. But the thing is, we're also only singling out one cop here. Am I right? Even well, Pantaleo, was, he, he, he did the chokehold. Right, exactly. And so to me, it's like taking it off of this justice system and putting it at the risk of the taxpayer, because that's what happens in a civil suit. The taxpayers have to pay for that. I think it's, it's, it's just triply unjust. And I think that that process needs to be more transparent. And I think once it happens, I think more and more people will, will, will be enlightened about that. Now, the, as we mentioned earlier, uh, he was selling single cigarettes, or at least that's what the police said he was. Uh, that was usually punishable by a fine. Uh, why is that even considered a crime? Being black. I throw this out to all of you. <laughs> well, I mean, if a He's white person were uh, selling single single cigarettes, would he also have been arrested? No, First of definitely. all, let's clarify one thing. He wasn't selling cigarettes. That's number one. He was not selling cigarettes that That's what they said. Time. Okay. What was he doing? That's what they said. Okay. 
They also said he resisted. He didn't resist. He saw no reason for him to be arrested. They had no probable cause. So, therefore, it was he was singled out. He was harassed. And that day, it just came to a head. If you notice, and what he said before everything happened, every time you see me, you bother me. Every single time you see me, you have something to say to me. I'm not doing anything. Please just leave me alone. Okay. You have to so, wonder what. Yeah, we have to wonder what would have happened if somebody hadn't been videotaping this, or we have a the the, uh, the big story these days of, been, of a shooting in in Georgia of a jogger. Uh, if there hadn't been uh, somebody filming it, the outcomes would have been very different, wouldn't they? Most definitely, he would have just been a dead black man. And they would have gotten away with it. It would not have gone noticed. And it would have just been swept under the rug. And it wouldn't have got all the attention that it got. And that would have been the end of that. You say that... He probably uh, would have survived and and gotten arrested and went to jail. And then they would have had to release him on his own recognizance because they had no reason to arrest him. The judge would have probably thrown it out. Like, why are you bringing him in here over some cigarettes? You you say that you expected to be asked the questions that you were asked during the trial, but it's still, uh, the, the, the reality hit you. It wasn't like the reality hit me. It was my reality. Mm-hmm. It was my reality. It was what they said. It was what was there, you know? It was there. They said it. They let the words come out of their mouth. Oh, he would have died anyway in a year from obesity, from a heart attack, from uh, high blood pressure or whatever, you know? It was just, it was my reality. It was what really happened. It was, regardless to whether it was a movie or not, I still felt it as though it was real, and it was. It was real to me. Even though they were acting and everything, and it was supposed to be filming for the movie, it was real to me. What they were saying to me was real to me. I got angry. My anger was real. My tears were real. My emotions were real. I really wanted to jump off that stand and Hmm. punch her in her face. I really wanted to scream and yell and, and, and say, you know, who the hell are you to say that he was going to die within a year? Who the hell were you to, to, to diagnose him from that brief encounter? And then uh, the tragedies continued uh, a few years later. Didn't you also lose your daughter, Erica Garner, to cardiac arrest? Yes. My daughter passed away. Um, just terrible. I, you don't have to talk about it. I'm sorry I even brought it up, but it just <laughs> uh, my heart really goes out to you. I'm so sorry. Uh, Rui, you shot this whole thing in a day. Uh, the trial in a whole in a day, would the trial have lasted a day? No, certainly not. The trial would have lasted months. Uh, and we shot it in a day because, like I said, uh, well, for starters, we, uh, you know, we, 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 there was a limit to our resources, but also because, uh, you know, the, the film, our film can only last so long. So I'm sorry, end but I'm, with... ending, I'm ending my part of the interview. Oh, I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry. Isa, please forgive me. I can't. Isa, please. Please forgive me for bringing that up. I, I, my heart was going out to you. Sorry about that, Esau. Okay. I think she's gone. But um, I guess I shouldn't have said anything. I was just so worried for her. Um, I guess we should get back to, uh, the, to the film. Uh, the, what What's the reaction been so far because the the film puts the audience in the position of being the jury 
And I Correct. imagine that pretty much everybody who sees it, uh, even though you've given us what would appear to be a, a rather fair trial, uh, pretty much everybody would have uh, found him guilty of manslaughter and reckless endangerment. Um, I, I mean, yeah, no? at least, you know, we're, we're, we're allowing people to, who watched the film this week, uh, we're letting them vote on, on the verdict that they would, that they would vote on if they were sitting on the jury. Uh, and I, yeah, I would be surprised if most people didn't, um, didn't, didn't decide that the ver that their verdict is guilty on both counts. Uh, but like I said before, I think the most important question that people need to ask themselves uh, when they walk away from this film is not if this if, if this particular cop is guilty or if he's not guilty, uh, because that doesn't really in the, you know in the grand scheme of things doesn't really matter a, because it's a movie and it's not you know it's not a real trial, uh, and so the, it's not like he'll go to prison if 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 he's if the if eighty percent or whatever percent of the uh, viewers of the film decided he's guilty. Uh, but because there's a b bigger question here, and that is, how is it possible that the trial never happened? Uh, and when you dive into that and you find out, oh, it's because uh, there is, you know, there's a, you know, real problem of systemic racism. Um, that is the, that that is what I'd like people to get away, to come away with when they watch this film. And Something else that I've been thinking about you know, in the past few days, and, and especially now because you mentioned the fact that I'm that I'm not an American, uh, that I'm not an American citizen. You know, over the past few weeks, there have already been you know close to a hundred thousand deaths from this pandemic, uh, and every year, who knows how many dozens or hundreds of people die in shootings, right? School shootings or just or non-school shootings, um, and so many millions of people die in this country because they don't have health insurance. Um, and all of these things, what they have in common is that this is one of the only countries in the world where the value of human life somehow is a controversial partisan issue, right? Uh, in France or in Ireland or in Zimbabwe, uh, human life is uh, is a uh, something that people take for granted, right? The, the, the value, of, I should say, the value of human life is something that people take for granted. And if there's a if if there are if there's a pandemic of school shootings, the public wouldn't allow it. They would say, no, then take away everybody's guns. They, we can't have people have guns if, if people go on these killing rampages in school. And if a country that has you know, the largest economy in the world uh, is the leading uh, country in the number of coronavirus deaths, the public wouldn't allow it, right? Uh, and so there's this apathy uh, in parts of the American population to the, to the, to the loss of human life until it's their own or their own or someone from their own family members. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I didn't mean to go on this uh, mm. liberal rant. It's okay. Uh, but, uh, but I really, I, I <laughs> do might think, have the I right think, platform for that, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really do think- We're, we're pretty much out of time. <laughs> I really do think that it, it it comes down to that. It comes down to the fact that that that, that people if, if 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 people die, it matters, uh, and, and that's why yes. it's called Black Lives Matter. Um, and so um, I think that's in the end of the day, that's what that's that's what this is all about. We're pretty much out of time, but a, a reminder that although uh, listeners can uh, get a, a video link. Uh, computer link, whatever, Vimeo link, uh, if they become BAI buddies. If they can't, Ralph, uh, how can they access this film? Uh, through Gather, our partners at gather.com, um, G-A-T-H-R. And we're set up, and really help me out with this, but we're set up with also, you can do it with the virtual theaters, but we're also set up with... Uh, Nonprofits like the Innocent Project, the Urban League, National Urban League, and Amnesty International. Did I get those right, Roy? 
You got those right. Yeah. So basically, okay. you just yeah. follow. And so you like, just follow our social media. Uh, yeah. Facebook, the uh, American Trial, the Eric Garner story, uh, or, or on Twitter, uh, the Eric Garner movie. Uh, you will find links to our tickets. Um, and yeah, we're we're live uh, starting from yesterday. And so, uh, if you just uh, yeah, if you just follow us on social media, you will you will find your way to a ticket. I'm Don't assuming, about- Rui, that you have an, you have another film in the works. Uh, I it's uh, in early in developments. Yes, early in development. Okay. Well, I mean, so the script is ready, and we're looking for funding right now. And then this one's going to be scripted. This one's going to be scripted. Yeah, I need uh, I need some time off from the non-scripted stuff. It's, uh, yeah, that's the way. I, I uh, yeah, it, it 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 takes a lot out of you, um, in a good way. But it it does it it does take, and you have to replenish your spirit. But there's one more thing I want you to mention, Roe, and that's the the Q and A with Michelle Miller on uh, yes. the twenty first. Can you let people know about that? Absolutely, you're correct. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, so, uh, with our partner, Gathered Films. Uh, there will be two screenings, two live screenings uh, of the film on Thursday, one at 7 p.m. Eastern and one at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and right after the, the, the those broadcasts, there will be a live uh, Q&A, uh, live stream Q&A with me, Esau, and uh, Michelle Miller from CBS, who will be moderating the Q&A. And I thank you all so much for being on our show today. I've been speaking with Rowie Messenger, Ralph Richardson, and Esau Snipes Garner about the film American Trial, The Eric Garner Story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Leonard. And that, and that brings us to the end of today's show. If you're new to our program and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org available as an iTunes podcast. And don't forget to check out Leonard Lopez at Large on Facebook and Twitter. Also our website, LeonardLopezAtLarge.com, where you can find links to all of our past shows. If you'd like to comment on this or any of our shows, you can write me at LeonardLopez at WBAI.org. Before I sign off today, I want to take just a moment to ask again for your support for this station. If you care about Leonard Lopez at Large and all the great programs on BAI, We need you to help us keep it alive through your support. And as I've been saying, if you become a BAI buddy right now by making a monthly contribution of $10 or $15 or $20 or whatever you can afford in the name of this show, you will be... uh, You will uh, be uh, uh, given... Uh, Well, we'd be delighted to send you a link to a free download of American Trial, the Eric Garner story, the film that we've been discussing today. So please go to our website, give to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 right now and show your support for the important shows like today's that we bring you on Leonard Lopate at Large. And please make sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large. From all of us at this station, thank you. Uh, We are off tomorrow, but please join us again on Thursday when I'll be talking. uh, People are making bread these days, a lot of bread at home. In fact, we hear that the the supermarkets are out of flour. So I'm talking to two renowned bakers, uh, Jim Leahy and Cynthia Kinahan, uh, talking about making bread at home in the age of coronavirus. And we'll see you then.